The Exorcist is one of the most beloved horror films of all time. It's full of iconic, memorable moments, and at least one handy tip for cleaning a crucifix. We've got to review the whole franchise, so let's start with the original classic. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight, I am Peter, and joining me as always is Tim. Hello. <laughs> it's a very upbeat opening. Uh, I mean, I could have made the obvious joke and I've said, you know, said something very profane, like lick me or something, but, you know, it's not that kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't? What? This is a horror movie <laughs> podcast, everyone. We get together, we talk about mm. a horror movie, and coming up on this episode, we will be discussing The Exorcist because, well, there's a new one apparently coming later this year, so we're going to try and Supposedly. work... <laughs> yeah, we're going to try and work through the franchise uh, sort of in, in this, you know, all these banked episodes that are going out while Tim's away in paternity leave. Uh, we're hoping to have done the whole franchise. Well, yeah. Do you think there's anyone out there named Fran Chise? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I mean, th- yeah. people are definitely named Fran. I don't know if the last name Chise is uh, <laughs> is, is a thing. But who knows? If if I could find someone with that name, would you be willing to go out on a date with her? If she, you know, she's single and <laughs> in your area. <laughs> Why do you sound like an, a sex spot ad? Singles in your area. <laughs> Text now for hot sex. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yes. So. <laughs> The Exorcist. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning for me to spoil it. This is actually, you know, we've done so many of the big classics, we've done so many of the big franchises. Uh, the Exorcist, for whatever reason, slipped through the cracks until now. Uh, <laughs> but with a new one coming out, it made good sense to to finally get to it. So to finally reach into the crack and pull out a big classic. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> He said it slipped. He said it was a big classic that slipped through the cracks. So I'm saying we're reaching into the crack and no, I, I got out. I got the literal meaning of it. I, I'm just baffled that that's where you're going with it. <laughs> I told you it's not that kind of show. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, the Exorcist is a story of uh, uh, a 12 year old girl who gets possessed by a demon named Pazuzu. Did they ever actually say Pazuzu in this first movie, or is that something we find out later? I don't know if I caught it this time. Uh, yeah, I don't think they. I don't think yeah, so. Okay. Um, Maybe like somewhere in the beginning or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so yeah, yep. Young Reagan, <laughs> played by Linda Blair, is possessed. Uh, she says all sorts of nasty things about mothers in hell and <laughs> other other such things. And of course, her mother, who is Chris, who's played by Aaron Bernstein who is an actress in the film, uh, a single parent, uh, seeks out help. Wait, did you say say Aaron or Ellen? Ellen. Okay, if I said Aaron, I was like, it's not right. (laughs) I'm sorry my accent might have obscured (laughs) the name a little bit, Tim. (laughs) Ellen Bernstein. Uh, Is that Uh, how you get? Thank you. Uh, although I am actually saying her last name wrong, technically, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's bursting. <laughs> no, there's no end. I, I keep putting an end before the T, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> she she seeks out help from the medical profession first uh, before delving into the the 
the the world mistake of the... number one never listen to medical professionals i think we can all agree about that you know after the pandemic i don't know if that joke <laughs> lands as well as you think it does tom <laughs> oh dear uh but you don't think the pandemic would have went differently if we just went straight to the church <laughs> <laughs> i like how you emphasize the r and the word straight there for that <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um so we'll get to obviously we've both seen this before this is not a first time viewing uh mm. for either of us um so I've, i don't know tim how do you feel about the exorcist since this we're since, since that's where we are on the subject uh well first i have to say that you know the uh so this movie is based on a book i don't know if you knew that i, I, uh, I was aware of that fact yes so, and, but did you know that in the book, it's actually, you know, supposedly it's based on a true story, and in, in, in the book, it's uh, actually a little boy that gets possessed. So, uh-huh. do you think this is, like, the first example of, like, woke Hollywood <laughs> trying to, you know, change the gender? And <laughs> for the love of all things, please... please. Make it clear you're joking for any new people who have clicked on this who think you're actually being serious. I, I, I was thinking about that today. I just thought how funny it would be to like um, have some like like a fake men's rights activist like angry YouTube page and being like, oh, I can't believe they changed the boy in The Exorcist. Uh, Joe's you know so funny about, about that joke is that like a lot of youtube unfortunately is very successful for people who have like angry videos about people being too woke right? there's a lot of that yeah. on youtube so i appreciate you trying to like catapult the success of the show but i'd rather not lose <laughs> our identity to do it if you please the uh well in the thumbnail it'll be like me like trying to rip my dvd in half or something. <laughs> like, uh okay yeah so anyway um no, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this movie, uh, I mean, I can't really count how many times, uh, I, I you know, qu quite a handful, um, because I'm a sick little freak, I love, uh, <laughs> not because you've seen it that many times, just because you can't count, it's only four. Right, yeah, I know, it's a little tough, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I mean, Jesus, it's, uh, I mean, well, yeah, like you said, it's a classic. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's always hard. To, uh, it's a little harder to talk about these kind of big name movies because it's like, oh yeah, I mean, who hasn't already, you know, given their expertise on this? Like, you know, there's a reason why, you know, it's remembered and it's a classic and it's you know so many scenes are like you know stuck in our brains and uh, you know there's so many lines and it's been parodied to death. It's because it's a you know it's an excellent film. I think what worries um, me about what you just said is there was an implication there that what they're about to get from us is also expertise. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they can tell from the you know first nine minutes of the show or whatever that you know we're nothing if not uh you know serious uh journalism yeah, journalism sure uh <laughs> really not we're not journalists but no one no one quote that um no man I, I mean i think it's great you know it's um one of those movies uh i mean maybe is because i grew up in a you know uh, I guess like a town that's had a large, um, uh, like, you know, Catholic, uh, <laughs> you know, population, uh, I, I guess, but, you know, it, it was always, uh, 
you know something that was kind of like toted as being like you know one of the scariest movies ever uh growing up and i you know i think i don't like one of those examples of movies of like you know people fainting in the aisles and stuff when it was released uh which um yeah i mean I, you know it, which uh, you know sometimes you hear that and it's like oh okay yeah it's just hyperbole but um you know i think it makes sense like for this movie though because it's like you know at the time it came out like yeah this would have been like really shocking uh to see um you know i think especially you know if you are like a religious person uh and you know you do believe that it's like based on a true story and stuff like uh then yeah it is you know very uh probably like you know upsetting and scary to watch um but i mean i'd love to go back in time and like after the audience goes out to watch the exorcist in 1973 they come out and you send them right back in and make them watch terrifier 2 and see how they take that (laughs) oh but no i mean i i think like uh honestly i mean you know uh you're re-watching it i think some of the stuff today is still like you know uh pretty out there uh you know uh, obviously you know as horror fans you know uh, we, you know, we do have a tendency to seek out like stuff that is, uh, you know, sticking to praise. So, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot of stuff intentionally worse, but, um, I don't know, maybe it's something about the, the movie since it's like so well directed though, or like the acting so good that it does feel like, you know, like it's not like sleazy or anything like there It does feel like there is a, uh, you know, something kind of sinister, uh, about it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, again, you know, it's a masterpiece. Uh, I, I love it. You know, I watched it as a kid. I was, you know, scared of it as a kid, and uh, you know, I continue watching it as an adult just because it's a you know great horror movie to throw on every every now and again, and uh, just remind me not to mess around with Satan because <laughs> you know your boy ain't 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 getting possessed anytime soon. That's for sure. Um, you get repossessed. Also, you know, <laughs> uh, but. And, you know the other thing too like i mean honestly like uh you know similar maybe to a little bit to like you know with like romero and zombies like uh, can we kind of credit freaking with like <laughs> inventing the like exorcism genre like I, like I don't think it's like you know not not that people didn't know what an exorcist or, or an exorcism was like before then but like you know i feel like this is what put it on the map and like why you know we have a glut of like exorcist movies today Oh, sure. Uh, like, you don't have shark movies without Jaws. You don't have exorcist movies without the exorcist. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and honestly, like, probably, like, I mean, I guess maybe you could say similar to Jaws as well, but, like, yeah, one of, like, the only good ones. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, I feel like exorcisms are, like, a, a well that, especially in the 2000s, I, I feel like people went back to a lot, and, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't think many of them are done very well. Yeah, um... One of the things you said there was uh, with the director and acting, it it feel it doesn't feel schlocky or anything, and that's one of the big things is that Friedkin, William Friedkin, the director, he you know t- treats this like an A movie. He treats this like he's making this this serious film, and uh, even if some individual moments you could look at, you know, out of context and go, ah, that's actually a little bit goofy when you stop and really think about it, but uh, they work so well in the moment because of how the film's directed and how it builds up to those moments. Um, I mean, obviously, I like the movie. No. It's very well directed. Yeah. No, no, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, we, you're just you're making me think of something. Um, when you're bringing that up, because you know, Friedkin obviously is like you know, a list big name director and everything. Mm. And I'm kind of wondering, like, I mean, maybe it's only these two examples, but like, 
you know, like, you know, Friedkin doing this and, like, Kubrick doing The Shining, like, you know, these big-name directors that, like, you know, want to tackle, like, something in the horror genre. Like, I feel like, is it, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, yeah, you don't really, like, see that nowadays. Like, it feels like a lot of people that do horror stuff are, like, kind of, you know, it's like, all right, you're the horror person, then, like, you kind of stick to this, you know, little horror area or whatever. But, um, I don't know, something interesting about, like, you know, looking in the past and, like, you know, having, like, big-name directors like this and, you know, having them want to be, like, Oh no, like I want to tackle a horror movie. And then like you say, like not necessarily train it like a schlocky horror movie, but you know, bringing their A game and trying to make it into like something more. And, you know, which is one of the reasons why they kind of last the test of time and stand out. But I mean, Freakin's on record uh, at the time of saying he didn't think of it as a horror movie, which maybe is oh, really? partially yeah. why. Yeah. Uh, okay. Although he accepts that everyone else thinks of it as a horror movie, like in its legacy. But at the time when he was making it, he never thought of it as a horror movie. Yeah. Finally, I guess it is kind of a romantic comedy, I guess, if you look back. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the movie. It's very well directed. Um, but I, I, I will give you a slightly hot take here, Tim. <gasps> oh, no. I don't put it on the pedestal that the rest of the horror-loving world does. Like, I, I think it's really good. Okay. okay. I, think it's, I think it's great, even. But, mm. for you know, it's not even in my top ten. Like it's it's okay. really good, but it's just, it doesn't make my top ten. Uh, and I think part of that, and I think that this is relevant to the conversation here, is that I am atheist, and there are elements of this film that leave me kind of cold. Uh, sure. Yeah. And I would also say what's interesting about the joke you cracked early on about like the angry right wing dude who's mad that they changed it from a boy to a girl. <laughs> I think what's funny about that to me is that this film is actually very conservative in a lot of what it does uh, okay. in terms of its politics, in terms of what, what it's uh, doing. Because one of the big things that uh, really... Like, if, you, if you go looking for any kind of analysis on The Exorcist, if you go digging for any kind of like critique of it, uh, one of the things you'll mainly find is the idea that it's about female puberty and growing up. And the fear, the fear that a young, innocent girl will become a woman who knows about sex. Uh, (laughs) So, and when you watch it through that lens, you can kind of see, and you you do kind of get this kind of old school vibe of like, the fear of that, you can bring in the men to to sort her out kind (laughs) of thing. Bring in the men, bring in the church, bring in religion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So so there's a lot of uh, that kind of stuff in there that um, like, I think it's really well done and the, it, it, like the way it tells all has all these themes and the way it does everything it's, it's all very well done i don't i just don't necessarily agree with the stance that i feel like the movie's taking by the end and part of that is just kind of a you know i disagree <laughs> ultimately <laughs> sure. uh, but obviously it is a sort of work of like spooky fiction where you've got a demon and you've got the idea of trying to drive uh, the demon out of this this innocent girl <laughs> Um, and you've got because uh, it's it's really the priest, uh, Father Karras, who has the arc of the mm-hmm. film. He's the one that's got the. He, it's really his story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like his his story is pretty good. Obviously, Max von Sydow is the is the older priest, uh, Father Merrin, who's kind of the experienced sort of mythological exorcist. Um, <laughs> I, I think it does a good job of portraying kind of the family life before she starts to change. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the, the other big themes of the film, of course, is the absence of a father figure uh and what do we call priests tim daddies i was looking for the word father but yes uh do you think that's like a connection that's why they they depict father to to like what you call a priest is because they just secretly all want to be called daddy 
I'm, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty positive that that is exactly why. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> Ooh, save me, Daddy! I've sinned. <laughs> oh, <God. Gross. laughs> um. So yeah, it's so you know it's very good. Like I like I'm not really going to critique much of it and say say anything's bad about it really, other than just the you know some of the concepts and some of the sort of stances that it takes. Um. That ultimately, and I I have no problem with like demons and stuff being real in movies. You know, it's you know, it's there for the horror. It's there for the fiction. It's right, yeah. whatever. It's fine. Whatever. Um, but this film is very much about a character who is sort of having a crisis of faith and mm. ultimately to try and like defeat his story is, is that he has to kind of like regain that faith and believe and, mm. um, and because we're in a movie with those demons and we're talking about stuff, you know, it's all, all very literal and yeah. things like that. So, um, yeah, but it's all very good. Like, I, I don't want anyone to think I'm shitting on it because it is, uh, obviously a, a classic for a reason. Uh, it's got mm. numerous really well done sequences, uh, but you know there is this attitude in it where like medicine doctors are all a bunch of idiots who yeah. fail her <laughs> and don't know what to do, but the church will be there to save her kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's like a a problem. Like I never really had like growing up, but like as I do kind of get older and <clears throat> you know I would. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily call myself atheist, maybe I'm a little bit more on the agnostic end, but like, mm. you know, growing up, you know, my family did go to church and stuff. And there definitely was like a period where, you know, I would like, you know, uh, you know, believed in God and went to church and all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, if anyone does that, you know, that's, Hey, if, you know, do what you want to do. <laughs> you know, obviously no, uh, uh, what do you call it? No, um, you know, judgment or anything, but just, yeah, for me, like, you know, kind of, like grew away from that and then it is um sometimes it is kind of tough like with movies that deal with you know demons or possession or stuff like again like it's uh cool to have a fun you know demony horror movie but yeah sometimes when it gets a little too churchy and like you know it's the <laughs> i love that, you know, that a little too churchy <laughs> yeah it's like yeah oh yeah like yeah like who can save the day like uh you know surely you know those those wacky priests that never did do anything wrong like you know they're they're the ones to call when uh, I, I do think yeah. for the record i don't think every movie about possession or demons inherently has a pro like catholic or pro religion sure yeah bent to it i think in most cases it's just they want to do a, a cool demon movie or possession movie because they like possession mm. movies and yeah. that's just an inherent part of it is you have those types of characters, those types of plot devices. I think Exorcist specifically though does feel like it has kind of a, a political statement or a, a theological yeah. statement. And I do think it's, you know, making a statement by the end. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's just not one that I typically agree with. So, you know, yeah. fundamentally, like on that level, there's just an element of it that makes me feel, you know, leaves me feeling just a little bit cold uh, in the end where I just, I don't agree with what it's saying. But, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing necessarily not every movie that's made with a message has to be something that i agree with but no of course not yeah, yeah. but you know it's it worth mentioning it is it's you know it's why uh you know something like night of the living dead which is also a very politically rich film with the steams like appeals to me way more because i i get the message i understand that the idea of like not you know being a part of the mob and the crowd and being individual like i i, I agree with that message i accept that message and i side with it uh, 
Whereas here, I'm like, no, let her grow up. Let her know about sex. Let, let, let her yeah. be her own person. Uh, you know, th- this idea of the loss of innocence, which is a theme that I like in horror movies, but it's, you know, I, I like it better done in other movies that handle it in a way that doesn't have this type of, uh, I guess, fear of it, I suppose. Which, yeah. Because there's, a, like, horror movies, obviously for every kind of very liberal horror film at Night of the Living Dead, I think there is, like, a conservative... Like, after... Um, 9-11. I didn't think I was going to bring up 9-11 on this exorcist review, but here we are. After <laughs> 9-11, there was a lot of, like, home invasion movies because there was this general yeah. fear at the time of, like, people from the outside, like, coming in and, like, sure. causing harm. And I would think they're all particularly conservative, but that's, that certainly ties into a broad fear that led to more conservatism, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's interesting to track these things. So when you look at when this movie came out and you look at it's the early 70s you've got like sort of watergate around this time you've got this lack of trust um you, you've got like you know sort of the the tail end of vietnam and the, the disillusion and like the idea that we're we're losing innocence and there's no just like pure good and evil anymore everything's getting murky this movie almost is like this beacon of trying to be let's make it black and white again let's make it yeah you know more straightforward and good versus evil and the church can help <laughs> you know? uh, so yeah. i don't want to say it's like religious propaganda because i think that's a bit too harsh but you know no no no, no. Cer- certainly the the message and like the you know william peter blatty who wrote the book and was involved with the, the movie as well and eventually directed the uh the third one third one yeah. um you know he i believe was catholic or at least grew up catholic i don't know if he's necessarily like mm-hmm. still practicing as catholic at this point but yeah uh so yeah so yeah, you know, I have a, a somewhat mixed relationship with a, a very well-made movie. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously all the actual antics that Reagan gets up to with the, the effects and the shaking bed and the, the vomiting, all that stuff. And, you know, we're in a spoiler-free, but like everyone knows these things about the exorcism. I'm not going right, to right. sugarcoat the, uh, the well-known stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, that stuff is great. And like, I mean, <sighs> and... Uh, you know, how can you get mad at a movie that gives us, uh, you know, tubular bells like that? <laughs> you know, music cue is so good. <laughs> yeah, do you know what's so weird about it is that it doesn't... Like, at least... The... So I watched the director's cut because it was just the only version that was available to me. Okay. <laughs> right? And it ha- it changes the ending a little bit and it has, like, the spider walk yeah, scene in it. yeah. Um, I remember, like that was like a big deal, like when it came out. Yeah, I yeah, like I, I, like I, I saw it in theaters, like when that. I'm not sure how old I was. Uh, I mean, I would have probably been in middle school, maybe high school, but like, yeah, I, I, I remember, like I'd already seen the movie, but yeah, being like, oh my god, it's in theaters and it's got like new scenes, like holy shit. It's been a while since I've seen the theatrical cut. But, yeah. So maybe it's different in the end of the theatrical club, but there's not like a good moment where it, the music, like Tubular Bells, kicks in at the end. I, I could have sworn there's a scene where like he looks down the stairs and then the music kicks in, or something. I th- I'm pretty sure that's how it, yeah, happens. Uh, yeah, in the version I watched. Okay, yeah, because in yeah. the director's cut, it just kind of like you hear it a little bit, and then it goes into different music for the credits, and then halfway through the credits, it kicks into Tubular Bells properly. I oh, mean, yeah, you, that's weird. You yeah. hear it early on in the film at one point when like uh, Chris is just walking around, but like it doesn't have that moment where it kicks in like a big deal. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Friedkin was getting a little bit pretentious and was like annoyed that it was <laughs> it was too much of a, like a crowd pleasing moment. Like no 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 no, yeah. like 
my film is serious art. You will not be satisfied with uh, <laughs> dopamine. <laughs> um, I forget what podcast it was, but I listened to a podcast that they basically did like a whole episode about where the song came from. Uh, and it was actually like really interesting. Like the guy that wrote it seemed like he Mike was like Oldfield. I want to say maybe, uh, yes. I apologize. I'm not, <laughs> uh, don't remember, but, uh, yeah, it seemed like he was like, like kind of crazy, but like, you know, in like a, a geniusy <laughs> kind of oh, way. Cause okay, like, yeah. cause I think like, you know, mostly like, you know, you only kind of hear that, like, you know, first little part, which is great, but like I think the song is like seventeen minutes long or something crazy like that. Oh no, it it's way longer like... than that. It's like it's like it's like an hour long. It's like, oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, uh, my parents had the CD when I was a kid, and it's literally just oh, yeah. one big track that plays for like the whole time. Yeah, and it goes into like so many different, yeah, like types of. Uh... There's a part where it starts I, I don't like know about announce... music, yeah. it starts announcing like the instruments it plays. Like there's like there's like a vocal that comes in that says. <laughs> Uh, you know, guitar, piano. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, it sucks. I don't remember uh the name of the podcast because it was really interesting uh about how he came up with it and like what some of the different parts of it mean and stuff. But hey, maybe if you Google podcast something or tubular bells, maybe it'll come up. I don't know. I can't do all the research for you. Come on. Uh, you know, <laughs> do a little bit for yourself. What are you whining about? I go, I go off to let a cat uh, <laughs> out and you're, I'm back and you're whining at the audience for not doing enough research. Like, which seems they about put bold. too much pressure on me. They want me to have all the answers, but sometimes you just got to Google it yourself. My God. <laughs> um, yeah. No, obviously that's a, a very iconic bit of music and, um, I think people, like, I've heard of people who are more casual horror fans mixing it up with the Halloween theme. Classic mistake. And it's, it's, just, it's just funny to me, because, I mean, I think they sound completely different, and they do sound completely different. They just happen to both yeah. have a lot of piano in them. <laughs> but uh, it is interesting that, you know, obviously just later in the decade, Halloween sort of, like, maybe there was some inspiration from Tribbler Bells when Carpenter was coming up with his score for Halloween. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, and, you know, Michael Myers is another little kid that did something very bad. <laughs> so there's a connective theme there <clears throat> uh it's a loose connection but I'll, I'll, the, <laughs> sure we can go with it uh you could argue that Mike, if... michael myers is possessed if you want to i suppose yeah uh by those darn cult of thorn people <laughs> or whatever <laughs> now do you think if they just like <clears throat> you know after the beginning of Halloween, do you think if they just spanked Michael a couple of times that he would have been okay? For 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 killing his sister. Spank him a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> this is bad. Bad Michael. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does the logic track with this one? Like, do, do you just spank Reagan when she starts, like, saying foul language and making all sorts of threats and whatever else she's doing? Um, I think one of the things that was interesting to me about watching that game because it has been a while since I watched it is that uh, how it kind of like starts like Reagan's like stuff of like her path to like possession because it kind of happens off camera where she you know like Chris takes her to the doctor and we actually don't see that much of like why she's going to the doctor like it kind of holds it close to the chest before that point yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a slow burn movie. And I feel like, you know, all the iconic stuff with, you know, her being possessed and tied up, like, you know, compared to the rest of the movie, like, you know, that's not that much, honestly. Yeah, no, you can kind of break it into three clear sort of parts. You've got your introductory sort of act, which is interesting both, like, uh, you know, Reagan and her mother, Chris, but also uh, Father Karras. And then you've got the middle section, which is when Karis kind of comes on board once, like, they've established, or at least once Chris believes that her daughter actually is possessed or might be possessed. Mm-hmm. And it's him trying to, like, dedu- deduce if that's true or not. And, yeah. uh, and then the last act, of course, is actually bringing in the experienced exorcist to help actually try and exorcise the demon from her, right? That's that's just how the movie kind of breaks down. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is kind of interesting, like, just how like shielded it, it keeps us from the early incidents of of reagan and then shows as they get worse obviously after that point but like the, the first things we hear about the reason why she's taken her to the doctor are mostly you know we hear her talking about like an imaginary friend uh captain howdy mm-hmm. um we, she mentions that her bed shook but she you know it, it never like I don't think it shows us enough as an audience to think she used to go to the doctor. Like, I, I don't think yeah. I get that from those scenes, but clearly there's other stuff that her mother's noticing that she, she's decided to go to the doctor with her. Uh, but I thought, I just thought that was interesting from, from a... Uh, from, oh, for sure, yeah. From a choice perspective, and or even just opening in Iraq for, like... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> for, you know, five minutes with uh, Father Marion, like, uncovering, like, a statue of Pazuzu and... Yeah. Uh, just this this feeling of like existential dread, uh, kind of mm. you know before it cuts to like the modern world. Actually, so one of the things I was thinking about watching this is that, and this goes all, along with a lot of movies in the seventies, uh, horror movies mm. specifically, is that Psycho started it. But one of the things that this has in common with, say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and later Halloween, obviously, but just even stuff in the early seventies like Black Christmas, is that it's once again it's 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 taking the horror and putting it into the real world you know this is a modern building a modern house a modern mother with a daughter this is not like some castle somewhere it's not some spooky hidden you know, retreat it's horror in the real world and texas chainsaw is like that black christmas is like that psycho of course is the, the first one that everyone sort of thinks about which is obviously 1960 a good decade or so before but uh, even though it's a very different plot and it's a very different type of horror because it's possession and it's supernatural, it's putting it into the... And I think that's partly why it probably was so scary at the time. Yeah, you've got the religious side to it. If you're religious, maybe this is even scarier because yeah. you actually believe in demons and shit. But then it's just scary as well because it's like, oh no, this is like a real person. It's not even just a real person. This is a successful actress with her daughter who are the victim yeah. of this. This is like going after someone who we would... We think of actors who are, or rich people, I suppose, maybe in general, mm. as being powerful, of having some <laughs> level of control over their lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and Chris at the start of the movie feels relatively in control. She's glamorous. She's got, like, servants in her house. Mm-hmm. She uh, seems to enjoy her job and whatever. Um, so. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just, you know, her and Reagan have a good relationship. Uh, which is interesting because you know I said earlier that one of the big parts of the movie uh, that's sort of there in the the subtext, not even I mean it's mentioned a few times, but <clears throat> is the idea that the, there's no father figure, right? Mm-hmm. That the mother is separated from the father, and I think it's interesting that I think the last time Reagan is completely normal, I could be wrong on this, mm-hmm. but, but I think it's when she overhears her mother talking on the phone to her dad about why he's not coming for mm-hmm. her birthday, uh, and it's almost like if you were 
going to try and talk about how this might just be not real. I mean, the movie makes it clear that it is real, but the trigger for it could be this idea of the absent father and the idea that he doesn't care enough to come see her being what kind of like sets it off or at the very least you could look at it this way is that it lowers her guard down because she gets upset and that lets the demon in properly i guess like maybe pazuzu was like hanging around talking to her or you know with the ouija board or whatever but then when she got angry and upset over her father not coming that's kind of the emotion let the let it in no 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 that's a good theory i like that well i gotta have some i mean you know uh but yeah i I guess we'll give the spoiler warning just so we can freely talk about everything in the the movie so spoilers for the exorcist if you've somehow you know not seen it or People like listening to the podcast when we get to spoilers, they just get like so hyped, like, yeah, they raise their hands and they go, spoilers. Ah. <laughs> Reddit, uh, like, let us know what, you know, when we break through the spoiler wall, let us know like how you react. Like, yeah. Point to whoever you're, you're sitting next to on the bus and go like, spoilers. <laughs> or like, are you at work and you just like sit up in your chair and go, woo, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> I, 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 how am I supposed to respond to that? What, what, am I supposed, what am I supposed to say? Well, you're not supposed to respond. I'm asking our customers to respond. To our customers. <laughs> what do you call them? Listeners, viewers, audience. Whatever you, that, that's it. If all of them want to pay for every episode, like I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, like you, you got the absence of the father figure, which is kind of then in some way filled by the church, right? It filled by the the holy father, uh, the spiritual father, if, if you will. Not uh, a bad father. Uh, yeah, d- depends, I suppose. As far as fathers go, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. At the end of the Jesus, movie, what do you want from me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The... <laughs> But at the end of the movie, when Reagan's like fine, like in the last scene, she notices the collar on like the other priest that's kind of you know the one that's still alive at the end, uh, and kisses him in the cheek. And it's this idea that she, even though she doesn't remember everything that happened, and you know that's part of the the conservative idea of the movie is that she's forgotten all of the awakening and is back to being this sweet innocent girl for a bit more time. Uh, you know, maybe you could argue that. Maybe maybe you could argue that the idea is that um like we don't want like kids are growing up too quickly and we, we mm-hmm. they shouldn't right she deserves to still be a child for a little bit longer but mm-hmm. I, which is actually which raises the question actually is that i was thinking this as i was watching it is that she actually she's like an eight-year-old or like a nine-year-old at times mm-hmm. and then so later on when she's lying in the bed and the priest is like what age are you and she's like i'm 12 mother effer <laughs> and i'm like really you actually felt like you were acting younger than that. I agree you look 12, don't get me wrong. But I thought it was a case of, like, a slightly older actor playing, you know, a younger character, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I don't know, I feel like... Uh, maybe it's... I mean, uh, maybe it's not so much nowadays, but... I feel like that is kind of a typical, like, young actor thing where it's like... Yeah, you're either a teenager or you're, like, five or whatever. Like, people always kind of play up the kid angle a bit more but maybe 
Mm-hmm. It may have been an intentional choice to make the uh, like the profanity and like the stuff she says be more shocking. Like, oh, she seems so yeah. childlike and innocent before, and now she's talking about sucking cocks in hell and <laughs> you know stabbing her crotch yeah. with a crucifix. Oh, just imagine like all the old people in the theater went to see it. Oh, yeah. By the way, I completely forgot that. Uh, in the crucifix scene she then grabs her mother's head and pulls yeah, it between her legs and says that too. lick me lick me <laughs> and then like and then chris is like covered blo- in blood yeah like. she's got blood all over her face and i'm like what oh uh, yeah. that's nasty that's your mother yeah, yeah. <laughs> reagan i mean i was technically not reagan but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, but still. Anyway, yeah. So I was, what I was saying is, uh, she kisses the priest, and it's the idea that even though she doesn't remember it, she has kind of found like fatherhood in like the church because she recognizes the priest and or not, doesn't recognize him specifically, but recognizes what a priest is and finds comfort in it. Uh, so, and this is almost like a father like sending them off, like waving them goodbye as they leave, kind of thing. So, I, I think it's definitely you know the missing father stuff is definitely a big part of it, and I think. Uh, which I don't have a problem with, you know. I, I think that's a, a fine like theme to have that kind of, you know, opens the door. You know, the idea that the 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 because mm. I, I think everything the doctors say about like depression, like causing this, like I think that can still be true even if there's a real demon. But the idea that the depression is oh, what sure. lets it in, kind of thing. You know, that can all still be yeah. valid. Because uh, I think typically what we would do in a horror movie is we talk about how the demon is something that is you know like so in other movies it may just be depression but the demon's a metaphor for depression you, you take it and make sure. it this literal thing but it's really just about someone who's depressed um mm-hmm. and i think and that's kind of true here in the, you know talking about the sexual like rep you know uh repression stuff because i think that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing about that is that chris is like they don't portray chris and reagan as unhappy before all this mm-hmm. goes down it's not. It's not like um. It's like oh, they really need a man because like they're in disarray. <laughs> like they seem like they have a pretty healthy relationship. They seem pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, like things are all right. And then you know, it, I, I guess it's the idea that everything can seem okay, but things will go to terrible hell if you don't have a nuclear family with a father figure. Oh boy, <laughs> she'll turn into like a little demonic slot. Like that. That's, <laughs> that's effectively what it's getting at. <laughs> um because yeah she, she says profane things uh i think it's interesting that like the first time we hear about us being profane we don't see it ourselves we hear about it second hand because it's the doctor who's like this you know he says hey has your daughter ever used like foul language and she's like nah not really she's a she's a little sweetheart it's like yeah well she kind of said some things when i was inspecting her and she's like what did she say I'd rather not say. No, what's it? Be specific. We're adults. What did she say? And apparently, Reagan said to him, "You know, uh, keep your fingers away from my C bomb." <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Oh boy! YouTube, YouTube, YouTube will have a problem with me saying that, so I'm not going to say it. Wow. <laughs> uh, which honestly, maybe this is my modern lens, but my my first thought was, if I was the parent, I'd be like, "Well, what were you doing with your fingers when my daughter said this to you?" <laughs> Like, I Fair agree, point. I Fair agree point. the language is foul, but I'm questioning why she felt the need to say that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're a dentist, what are you... <laughs> what are you <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he's in the movie Teeth, it would be okay. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
they never did like a that should that should have been a post credit scene in teeth. It'd be her going to the dentist. It'd be like no 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 not this mouth. Uh, <laughs> I've got another South I, I've got another set that need to be checked. Yeah. Uh, Yikes. But I, I do think it's interesting. It's almost like it's shielding you a little bit from it before you actually see her do it. You know, before you hear her say the words yeah. before you. So no, it's I. Yeah, it, it, no, it's like very well done. Like it's all like it, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a slow burn, but you know, it is worth it cuz you know, it leads up to you know, such a shocking like change, you know, when you start to see it. That's like, it though. Taking now, over. No, I'm thinking about it. I don't think she herself ever says the C word, does she? Um not that I can recall. We don't hear it. Um, maybe that's yeah. actually maybe that's actually them avoiding it maybe like the idea of having the doctor say it is like maybe they thought it was too much to actually have the 12 year old say it so they thought sure. you know obviously decades later kick-ass had no problem with having the 12 year old girl <laughs> dropping c-bombs but there, maybe maybe yeah, that was the idea is that it was like no we'll have the adult man say she said it without actually having to have her say it on on screen yeah and uh i i mean i don't know which scenes are are which but they did have a uh like body double or stunt double or something for like uh for some of the like i think dirtier stuff uh oh sure yeah that, that makes sense you know because every time you see her from behind in the bed when she's talking about cocks or yeah. stabbing her like, that's the thing I, I, I always heard jokes about her masturbating with a crucifix i'm like she's not that's that's not master that's stabbing yeah it's it's, <laughs> ugh, it's very gross uh was this the movie where like like, I, I mean, I think there was some controversy with, like, Friedkin because he's, like, a very intense director or something, but was there something about him, like, firing a gun on set to, like, you know, get people, like, on edge and, like, more nervous so, like, they would look more scared, but, like, during takes or something? Like, I thought there was a story, unless I'm thinking of a different movie, where, like, you know, right before they would, like, shoot, he would, like, fire a gun, so everyone was like, oh, Jesus, like, what the hell? And then, you know, they start filming and they're, like, all, like, nervous and shaking. I don't know. That's just to me. <laughs> <laughs> do you not like watch like special features on dvds or documentaries i did when i was a teenager when i had time to do it <laughs> uh yeah r.i.p special features i used to love like getting a brand new disc like three disc special edition and then you just like rip through like everything and uh now you're lucky if anything has like you know if you you know if, if you're a good enough person to, that you still buy physical media you're lucky if like a movie even has like an interactive menu <laughs> now it's like uh special features r.i.p if you're a good enough person to still be buying physical media that's what you said there yeah <laughs> good enough you're keeping the the industry alive hey all my itunes purchases come with extras well not all of them but a lot of them do all you're doing is making mr itunes rich that's not going to filmmakers. That's not going to Benicio del Toro. That's not going. Why to do Peter you Jackson. think he gets a better cut of the physical DVD or Blu-ray than he does the iTunes release? And for the record, uh, too much plastic in the world, Tim. Maybe not using discs for everything is probably a good idea. Hmm. I, well, it's, I'm I'm keeping these things. I'm not like buying it and instantly throwing out the plastic case. <laughs> <laughs> yes but one day when the formats are relevant and you'll have all your movies on something new all the old plastics just gonna pile up you know shoot into space or something i don't care <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got 
There's gonna be like a dead will somewhere. It's just it's gonna it's gonna be all your fault. It'll just be Tim's fault. Well, until that day comes, <laughs> I'm gonna support the industry I love. <laughs> oh dear! You turned your back on us. You used to be one of us. Uh, used to be a collector. Now you're a, uh, I don't know, a hacker. Hey, <laughs> discs stopped working and it stopped being reliable. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. I'm done with it. I don't know what you're doing to those discs. <laughs> <laughs> Disc rot is real, my friend. Just you wait. One day you're going to put in a Blu-ray and it won't work. It, or it, that, what's worse is it doesn't. It's not like it doesn't work from the start. It breaks down at the layer change, so you'll watch like half the movie and then it'll just freeze and it'll not do anything else. <laughs> and you'll be like, "No, I've watched half the movie. I want to see the end." <laughs> I feel like this only happens to you because, like, you live in a bog. <laughs> like, shut up. I'm pretty sure I'll be okay. <laughs> shut up. Anyway, we're way off track here. We're talking about the Exorcist, Tim. You fool. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. 1970 something. 73. Yes. Ooh. Uh. So. Yeah. And so we have to talk about Father uh, Karras, who. Please. Obviously, he early on we find out he's having a crisis of faith. He doesn't really feel passionate about what he believes in anymore, and he's kind of this like midpoint character where he's a priest, but he's also a trained psychologist. So he kind of like, is in the middle of the two worlds, and even he recommends like medical treatment and psychology to 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 Chris for Reagan when he's asked about it eventually. But we get an introduction to him where we find out he's got a, a, an old mother who is like dying Damn me. <laughs> why uh, you do this to me Danny? <laughs> <laughs> that's what she sounds like yes thank you for the impression Tim. but she does pass away early on in the film and he feels Good guilt minutes. he feels guilt over not being able to take care of her and that was his save the cat moment <laughs> he totally botched it <laughs> she died of old age we have to save the cat moment <laughs> What are you talking about? And he he feels guilt, and this is something that the demon in Reagan uses, you know, like, immediately is like, your mother's in here with us, she's in hell, she sucks cocks, yada yada yada. Right. You know, all that stuff. Uh, and really tries to play, play at him. And it's this idea that if he's having a crisis of faith, and this demon exists, like, doesn't that prove that everything is real? And what does that do to him? And, you know, he doesn't want to believe it at first, but he's like, hey, did Reagan know that my mother died recently? Um, you know, is she speaking in a language that she wouldn't otherwise know? Like, because, you know, that's kind of something possessed people do is they start speaking in Latin or something like that. Uh, or some sort of ancient text. Mm. Parlez-vous français? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I paused to let you interject with. <laughs> Oh no, he's possessed. <laughs> Speaking French. Um, you know, but obviously the big clenching thing to prove that, that there needs to be a, a exorcism here is she pisses on the floor. No, she like Reagan from inside the body carves "Help me" in her stomach. Oh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like but, Reagan, uh, the, the pissing on the floor, like that didn't help things though. <laughs> No, I mean, that doesn't mean you're possessed necessarily. It just might mean you're either disgusting or you've got a bladder problem. 
Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, you <laughs> always standing up for the piss freaks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not standing up for I'm just saying there's multiple reasons why someone may piss on the floor. The, the, uh. You can't just jump to demonic possession. Sure. What is it? Wait, wait, what time period are you living in, Tim? Is this Salem Witch Trials time where every little thing's like, ah, it's a witch, it's a demon, it's... But it's just superstitious oh, you, nonsense. You nasty boy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there's something nasty about you. <laughs> but I do, I do think that's uh, it is interesting that uh, Karis immediately is like, yeah, you have to if you want an exorcist, you have to go back in time like four hundred years because it's just not done anymore. Uh, I, I do appreciate his skepticism, and it, it works for his arc that he is having this crisis of faith and. Uh, like as like the idea that in a, in a weird way, if uh, not that in like, biblical lore God created demons, but if the idea that the that the purpose of a demon is to like test and prove that like everything is real and like sort of test your your belief in it, like it makes sense that this ultimately is a, is about him and that it's trying to get to him yeah. and he is ultimate one with the arc. You know, because, you know, Max von Sydow, obviously, he's got a great presence when he shows up. You get the classic silhouette shot in the streetlight when he arrives. Great, great but, intro, yeah. But ultimately, he dies. Ultimately, he dies off camera when he's with Reagan. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, Karis is too close to this. He's getting too tempted by the conversation. You know, the demon's toying with him because he keeps bringing up his mother and it's making him freak out. He goes in on his own and he ultimately dies. And as a result, uh, Karis goes in and has to uh, beat the shit out of her. <laughs> he does. He slaps the shit out of this this girl. Uh, oh, not just slapping. He's like punching her on the ground. Which you know, I think you know, is, you you can read this as like the again, if you if you if you want to look at this movie as slightly problematic, you could say <laughs> so. A girl starts to have a sexual awakening. Is I mean, not literally, but that's what the metaphor is. Is that you know, like yeah. Uh, the, the, all of the disgusting liquids coming out of her is like a, a, a metaphor for uh, get her period. You know, you, you could look at it that way. Um, and oh yeah, the the green slime that she throws up is clearly the, yeah. the green slime women throw up when they're on their period. <laughs> I thought you were waiting to see a doctor, Tim, if you're actually experiencing green slime like you know, shooting around the place. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so you've you've got this uh, this thing where yeah, two old men. Well, I mean, Karis isn't that old, but uh, Max von Sydow's pretty old. Although what's amazing, Max von Max von Sydow was still acting like thirty years later. So, and they keep talking about how old he is in this movie, and I'm like, he's going for like several more decades after this. Yeah. He's not even close to being done. He's in a Star Wars. <laughs> That's right. I, I was thinking Minority Report time, but yeah, you're right. He was in 2015 <laughs> Star Wars. Jeez. Anyway, so yeah, you, you've got like two old men who come in and like sort of see to her and try and like fix her, try and fix the teenage girl who is becoming a woman uh, kind of idea. So you've got this fear of awakening. You've got this fear of like an outside influence. Like, Oh, she's not the little girl that she was. That was she always was before. There's an outside voice. In this case, it's a demon, but in real life, it would be, you know, other kids, peer pressure, the temptation to like start doing more adult things, you know, mm -hmm. an interesting sex, all that stuff. Yeah, starting to go to arcades, getting into Pac-Man, right. or that's very specific, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, 
So, you know, it represents the fear of that and the, 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 the struggle to try and maintain the classic nuclear family and the innocence of this child. Uh, not necessarily for her own good, largely, which is why I think the movie's really kind of bittersweet if you're sort of looking at it through all these lenses where you're sort of critical of what it's actually saying and doing. Obviously, literally, it's a good thing. Literally, this girl was being possessed and yeah. taken away and she is... Uh, being brought back and saved by the end via the sacrifice of this priest who lets the demon into himself so he can kill himself and that in theory kills the demon although mm. sequels are going to like ruin that but like and you know that's the end of the movie yeah is that he jumps out the window he's possessed goes down the stairs and that takes the demon with him very effective scene though like i love the oh yeah yeah, yeah. You know, you see in like the you know the the change on his like face and then like the struggle and the yeah jumping out the window. It's uh you know we're kind of glossing over it and making jokes and stuff, but like you know it, it all works. Like hey, whoa, I'm trying to talk about it seriously. You're the one making the jokes. I'll have you know. So I I think uh like. I think it's interesting, though, because if you're looking at it through the lens of everything I've just been saying about this girl mm. hitting puberty and becoming more mature and this being about fighting back against that, it is interesting that she herself is, like, asking for help, like, you know, through the stomach, you know, the carving. Uh, sure, this yeah. idea that, that in some level we don't want to grow up, even though most kids do want to grow up too fast. Like, there is this idea of, like, wanting to actually hold on to your childhood a little bit longer. Uh, oh, what are you talking about as I... Uh, sit underneath shelves <laughs> full of action figures. And, uh... <laughs> yes, I agree. I, I, I have no such frivolous things. Mm. I like 40-year-olds like standing at water coolers talking about freaking like, the Spider-Man movie or whatever. <laughs> Ugh, what a... I feel like you are showing your age by saying water cooler. I don't think the water cooler is a thing anymore. <laughs> I mean, in reality, uh, you know, I work from home, so I don't talk to anybody, uh, but... You stand next yeah. to the fish tank and talk to the cats about the latest movies you've seen. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you have a fish tank. It was, it was just the closest thing I could think of that you may have in the house. Yeah. The sink, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet. <laughs> hmm. Speaking of, I can smell cat poop. I think one of my cats is just... Uh... Ugh. Let, let out some demonic material of their own. <sighs> no good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, not, it's really not. Uh, yeah, I, I was, obviously there's like some of the creepy like effective moments. Obviously everyone knows the bed shaking, the vomiting, mm -hmm. the, the head turning, which is obviously a great practical effect. But I yeah. I want to point out the more subliminal things. I love the quick flash of the face. Uh, That's great. And what, what's so cool about that, and I mean, I don't know if it was the same for you, but it was not... Like, uh, like it, it wasn't like a thing that I caught my first time watching it. Like it definitely took like a few times. And then like, when you see it, it's like, Oh, holy shit. Like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really remember my first viewing to know if I mm -hmm. saw it the first time, but I would question that the first time was definitely on VHS and standard definition. Yeah. So I do wonder how much, no, I mean, not, not that you wouldn't catch a frame because it's blurrier, but I do wonder how much of that type of like, the, just the format of the time made it less obvious whereas now we're all watching mm. you know we're watching the remastered hd version and, yeah <laughs> you know but it happens when reagan's at the hospital it happens to father Karras when he's dreaming about his mother um this idea that maybe his mother is going to 
Pazuzu. <laughs> like she has been yeah, taken okay. in by hell. Uh, but then you also have it flashing during the the exorcism itself. In fact, there's even a few moments where, like, it flashes to the actual creepy face, but it also there's a few moments where, particularly when, just before uh, Father Merrin's arriving in the taxi, uh, there's some close-ups of, like, Reagan just waiting on him, like, knowing that he's coming. And, like, she almost looks like the creepy face. It's almost like when she's surrounded by the darkness, it looks very similar mm. to the face of, I, I guess, Pazuzu, if that's what we're saying that face is. Um, yeah. But all that stuff's very effective. Uh, like, there's a great moment right before uh, Chris goes up to the attic early on in the film. Like, when she walks out of Reagan's room, like, the way she's sort of lit, just l- with a little bit of light coming from underneath, looking up, gives her this great kind of, like, creepy sort of, like, aesthetic, and the shadows just play really well. Um, but, yeah. But there, there is some stuff that feels <laughs> simple and gimmicky as well. Like, the, the, like, her candle, like, going into a fireball for a second... It's like, yeah. yeah, this is the same sort of spooky shit you get in any like sort of creepy possession movie, really. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, like, yeah, not, like, not not everything's like reinventing the wheel. Some of it is just straightforward, but like, it's all handled very well. Yeah, no, like, it all looks good, and honestly, some of the stuff that I I tend to like notice more on like you know rewatches uh, is some like the more quieter moments, like when she's mm-hmm. possessed, like because yeah, it's very easy to remember her, like you know, like you know uh like going up and down and then like things moving and levitating and you know all, all the yelling and profanity and stuff but i like when they're just kind of talking to her and she's like looking at them and like you should just answer stuff but like you know just kind of like very like like a little more quieter and like it, it feels like creepier and more sinister and like you know kind of like like uh, i don't know there, there are some scenes like you know where, where she'd be interacting with them and like it seems like she would take like a little longer to answer or she would say something and then just kind of stare at him. And it kind of felt like, you know, an animal, like looking at like prey or, or something like there's something very uh, like sinister uh, about it. that I thought was very effective and like that stuff. I, I find like a little bit more, you know, eerie and creepier mm-hmm. than some of the more bombastic stuff. Cause you know, w- once she is like fully possessed, like the makeup is like really good and gnarly and you know, it, um, yeah, it's like it's you know, uh, just there's just something to it about like these people like talking to this little girl who just looks like she's so far gone. Yeah, I uh, so one of the elements that I want to talk about as well is um, so the the director of the film that Chris is making, uh, mm-hmm. he actually dies off camera and he dies by going down the same stairs that uh, Father Karis does at the end of the film, mm-hmm. and that gets like a, a detective into the film who's like sort of investigating the crime and it's kind of weird it's like you know the, the force of which this guy was like potentially thrown and like his you know it seems like his neck was snapped before he went down is like uh-huh. someone big and strong had to do this but in theory he was just with your 12 year old girl so that's not possible but obviously yeah. we're like ah uh-huh. oh, she's possessed so she does have that strength whatever mm-hmm. but one of the interesting things about this that uh that I was really thinking about in this watch is that so he's talking to Karas halfway through and he's kind of striking a friendship a little bit and it sort of like pays off at the end when he sort of befriends the other priest uh, Father Dyer mm-hmm. um, and both conversations go quite similar where he says he likes films and he's a fan of films mm-hmm. and he even gets an autograph from Chris in one scene when he's like talking to her but he talks about how he likes films he invites Karas to go to one and Karas responds oh who's in it or what is it and he, he explains what it is and he's like oh I've seen it and then that repeats again at the end where Father Dyer says the same thing. He's like, oh, I've seen it. And he, you know, at least that's in the director's cut. I don't know if that's in the theatrical cut, that scene at the end. I uh, don't 
I think it is. Uh, yeah, at least I, I didn't I didn't remember seeing that on this uh, rewatch. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah. you know, there's, so there's it's, but it, it does repeat at the end of the director's cut, and I kind of like I was re- I was thinking about this and this idea that Reagan's mother is an actress and she's in mm-hmm. films, and then you've got this detective who also likes movies, and I was wondering that this little thing that repeats it's bit in the director's cut anyway where that line I've seen it already and he smiles is repeated again at the end. I, I did wonder if there was like maybe some like parallel the movies trying to draw with um like t- seeking comfort in religion and seeking comfort in movies is there there is kind of something to like oh, you know to, to that comparison and yeah. that uh this idea of like both characters saying I've seen it already is the mm-hmm. idea that yeah we already know about like God we already know about religion but that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't see comfort in it. Which I think is a more pleasant, mm. gentle way of like pushing forward like a, a Catholic or religious oh, message sure. without yeah. the kind of, you need it in your life or you're doomed kind of yeah. thing. Um, because it, you know, it ends That's with nice. a kind of a happy moment in the director's cut where they walk off to like go get a coffee together or go get lunch, yeah. you know? Because um, I think the theatrical just ends with him looking down the stairs, right? Yeah, that's the end. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I uh I actually I have read the book before, but it's been a few years now. But if I remember correctly, the detective like was a much more of a bigger character in the book, and mm. um yeah, it's kind of funny. Like the, one of the traits I kind of remember specifically was uh yeah, like that he was like a big cinephile, and I think there was like yeah scenes where you know they might have gone to the movies, or maybe it was just like the movie where it's just trying to get him to go to the movies, but um. That's interesting. It's a yeah, interesting character. It was just something I was thinking about on this watch, and like, because because when he started talking about movies, I was like, oh yeah, and Chris is an actress. I'm wondering if there's like a this is like a running theme that the movies really try to get going about something here. And I just that was kind of what I was coming up with uh, in my first sort of thought about it. But uh, like movies are the new religion, man. (laughs) The theater's a church. I mean, I think the idea that you take messages Mm -hmm. and you take like uh you know the idea that stories in the bible uh are there to teach you lessons and to give you sort of morals and parables and things mm. you know any good art has a message you know like obviously friday the 13th part 7 doesn't but like <laughs> any like proper movie or book or, or whatever it may be you know will usually have some kind of like uh lesson or you know some sort of critical thought that it, the writer or the author wants you to think about and maybe like reconsider your stance on something you know like that that's just a thing in art that's it should be there yeah uh i read a lot of books to my kid and there's a lot of messages in them three little pigs uh that's true I, i'm maybe in a little more highbrow where the adults are getting lessons with that but yeah yes yeah, so that's a, a good example <laughs> yes is, is is why at the age where he's he's, he's comprehending the the art of storytelling <laughs> Oh yeah, no, he's, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, part of it is probably that cause I, I'm such a you know big book lover and reader. And so I, uh, one of the things I buy the most of is a lot of kids books, which, um, so, you know, even when he was like a baby, we'd read a lot to him. So I don't know if he, uh, yeah, is just a, a book lover like us, or it's just because, you know, kind of push it onto him but we do read a lot and uh yeah there's definitely ones that you know he can kind of tell that he uh 
prefers and likes more than others and ones will be like oh like yeah read this one read that one so mm. it's kind of nice it's um yeah it, it's kind of funny because like you know uh and it, <laughs> weirdly maybe maybe it's because you know watch so many like horror movies and stuff uh when i'm not with him but it, it actually has been kind of nice like reading so many like kids books and we don't watch that much like tv but we watch like you know uh, uh, some shows like here and there but uh like all the kids stuff is so unrelentingly like positive it is actually kind of nice because like you know the world's a pretty messed up place and like <laughs> you know all the news is so depressing and then if i'm not watching the news i'm watching like some horror movie about like you know uh that's like about like some like dark shit so it is kind of nice like just read these like overly pleasant and, and caring like books about like sharing and being a good person <laughs> It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Movies for adults, the stories for adults tend to, uh, like, this is how we deal with the darkness, but we have to get across what the darkness is. So everything's really yeah. morbid. And, yeah. <laughs> Not everything, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, human yeah. centipede. And... <laughs> well, no, even this movie, like, like ultimately the message is saying seek comfort in the church because the, all these changes are scary. Mm -hmm. And the world's a dark, bad place. Don't give up on this thing that can give you comfort and happiness. Uh, yeah. Well, you agree with that's a different thing, but that that's, that feels like what some of the movies try to get at is sure. that the oldest, like, you know, profession. Not profession, because that's prostitution, right? <laughs> but, only you would know that. <laughs> what do you mean? Only I would know that. <laughs> No, well, but the, the work. <laughs> but the idea that all these new methods are, are good to a point, mm. but you still need the, the church. You still need uh, God in your life because that'll, you know, that that's the only way you can fight the oldest enemy, which is the demons mm. and this darkness, is to fight it with the oldest light, which is, mm. you know, the power of Christ compelling mother efforts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more powerful than the light on your iPhone. That's for sure. But I think I think that's you know part of the boot. Mm. So yeah, like like I come at this movie a, a bit more cynical because of just who I am. <laughs> like mm. I just fundamentally don't necessarily agree with a lot of what it's doing, but mm. uh, in terms of its messaging. But that doesn't mean to say that like it's not really well directed. It's not creepy. It's not you know got good scenes of horror, mm. and it doesn't mean that it doesn't handle its characters well because it you know it makes you see that she is this nice happy little girl with her mother before shit hits the fan. Uh, you feel for Chris maybe a bit more because she is a single parent and she's struggling with mm -hmm. it on her own. Um, uh, you know, I, I think uh, all those elements, like, work really well. The idea of, like, the tortured character of Karis who is, like, struggling with who he is, finding faith again to save someone is a good story. Like, uh, him, like, coming back from that and sort of fi finding something to believe in again uh, uh, to give him strength is you know that, that works regardless of what it's about totally yeah yeah um but yeah uh that said though nothing wrong with sucking cocks in hell <laughs> no yeah especially if you know it's between consenting demons and, and everything <laughs> why not yeah yeah uh yeah i mean i think the implication is if you're sent to hell and you're doing it, you're probably not, like, consenting to it. Okay, yeah, that would not be great. Because, <laughs> you know, demons and hell and 
Yeah. yeah. Remember, you remember the end of Tenacious D's uh, film? <laughs> That's true. You always take Kyle back to hell to be his bitch. Remember, remember yeah. that? I do, actually. <laughs> I didn't realize you were a D fan. That's a... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan, but I've seen the movie. Mm. Like, a couple songs. Yeah, not bad, not bad. <laughs> <clears throat> um, no, I mean, I... I... Uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> That's the crossover we all need is uh, Beazleboss versus uh, Pazuzu. <laughs> just because everyone will just like have so much fun seeing it. One ticket yeah. for Beazleboss versus Pazuzu, please. <laughs> I'd be down. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, yeah, get what you're saying. I don't disagree with it. I, I think, um, yeah, it, it could be... It, it would be a lot easier to deny if it wasn't... Um, yeah, like so damn well <laughs> done, you know. Like mm. it's, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I think it's even if like you know you don't agree with it or you don't like it, you don't like the subject matter. It's still really hard to deny like these performances, these, you know, this direction. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens in it, it's just uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just a whole other level. I mean. You know, this this is what you get like uh, during an era of you know good quality filmmaking with you know directors that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because you know I talk about the film being conservative. People have often said slasher films are kind of, even though mm. conservatives hate horror movies and slasher like films and want to ban them and censor them and stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's that thing of, oh, if you have sex, you do it, you know, whatever, mm. you'll get killed for it. But to be fair, like, the, the killer in those movies is the villain, and ultimately we root for, like, one of the characters, you know? So, yeah. 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 I, I can see what people are saying with that, but, um, like, if you ever hear Carpenter talk about Halloween and he's like, oh, I'm sorry I ended, like, uh, you know, the, the you know the free love movement or whatever he's there's a great quote from one of the make it off documentaries where he's he's like i didn't really intend to like make that kind of message necessarily <laughs> um I, I was just trying to have uh you know laurie be this more heroic character who cared about the kids who wasn't distracted it wasn't about the fact that oh they're yeah. getting punished because they're having sex kind of thing but uh it became a trope almost because people sort of copied that formula uh yeah but anyway uh all right what, what are you rating the Exorcist. Hmm. Oh, sleepy. <laughs> uh, let's give it a nine point five. Um, <laughs> Yawn <yeah>. nine point five. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really close to giving it the ten. Uh, I do think maybe some of the the first half is like a little slow for me, uh, but. I mean, a very minor quibble. Uh, I, you know, I still think a lot of it works. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, other than that, though, it's you know hard to deny like anything else, <laughs> you know, in the the movie. Again, there's uh, a lot of really good stuff there, and it's you know it's a masterpiece. It's iconic. There's you know a reason why it's you know stood the test of time. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, what what can I say? <laughs> Good uh, film. I mean, it makes me want to walk down at my parents' party and just piss on the floor in front of everyone. That's what it makes yeah. me want to. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, only if there's a a random astronaut there that you want to. 
that's right uh, there's like a random like <laughs> little like insert here where there's two things about this party there's an astronaut talking to a priest about going up next time and talking about how spacious the new like modules are and stuff um which i guess you know the idea you've got a priest like a man of god talking to an astronaut who is like defying like like you know the, a lot of the beliefs that of how the earth was created and all that and like going outside yeah. of, of earth into space and like i, I think that's to show the two extremes uh to make you think about like the, those opposing ideas because that's a big part of the movies like uh religion versus no religion but yeah. uh then you also have the fact that the drunk director keeps calling like <laughs> uh the like the the butler or whatever you want to call him the servant uh he keeps like refer- making nazi jokes at him and he keeps getting angry he's like i'm swiss i'm not german i'm swiss <laughs> <laughs> very strange but i do like the yeah the chaotic and like weird nature of uh of this party i don't i don't know if that's trying to say something uh or not but i, I for the life of me I, I don't know by all means give me your interpretations of uh the drunk director's uh misdiagnosis uh <laughs> and uh, outrageous harassment of the uh servant but anyway um yeah i'm going with an eight out of ten uh i i think it's a good movie i think it's really well directed i think it's got you know great classic moments uh it's got a nice sense of 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 uh, build especially once you actually really get to the possession stuff mm-hmm. um it's a bit slow early on but that's okay uh but yeah f- fundamentally like, i i just don't necessarily uh agree with maybe some of the messaging at least what i'm reading from the movie uh mm-hmm. when i watch it and yeah some of it is influenced by like hearing other people's thoughts over time but you know, you know, once you hear them and you watch the movie, it's like, yeah, there's a reason why people have had these thoughts. There's a reason why they've said them because I can see it. I can see it in the movie. Sure. Uh, so you know, it, it leaves me a little colder than I think it does some people, and um, I think it's very effective. I don't think it's the, the most terrifying thing ever made, though. I think that's like one of those overhyped things where, like, people said, you know, when I was getting into horror movies, oh, when you watch The Exorcist, that's on a whole other level. And it wasn't. <laughs> like, well, you know, it was good, but it, it didn't like shock me or anything. I mean, I, I'm curious if that's because that's definitely something you know, like I heard growing up. Because like you know, mm. there was like certain horror movies that I feel like were kind of in this like you know upper tier that were like, holy shit! Like you know, don't watch this alone. Don't watch this at night. It's so scary. Um, and yeah, like The Exorcist and, was one of them. And I'm just gonna say it, Tim. It's all lies. Every single movie that anyone's ever said is too scary. <laughs> uh, don't watch it alone because blah, blah, blah. Every yeah. single part of it is hyperbole and it is all lies because I have never felt that watching a movie. And my God, that like, I feel it when it's effective. I feel, I feel tension. I feel, you know, I feel the effect of good filmmaking. I feel the horror working. I, I never actually feel scared. And I know some people are more, you know they're, they're more susceptible to actually feeling a bit scared but they don't like watching horror movies because it freaks them out or whatever like I get, I get that but if you like horror movies and you watch a lot of horror movies i don't think that those statements are ever true i think if you're someone who likes horror yeah. all of it just washes off your back i mean yeah at this point in our lives too like you know like there's a lot of stuff that i can see like oh when i when i was younger that might have freaked me out um oh yeah yeah and, show, show why at the exorcist and see how he takes yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean like yeah at this point you know we've literally watched like what thousands <laughs> of yeah. horror movies right like you know it's it's very hard to get scared uh and it, it's actually kind of what i was thinking about the other day is like yeah i don't think 
like I think the best that I can say is that like like a movie never scares me but if it's really effective it might put me in the mood to be scared like so mm -hmm. you know like maybe if I do watch a movie like late at night by myself like you know um in the house like when I'm alone and it's dark and stuff and like if it is really creepy and effective like after I watch it, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, no, Jason is going to get me. Like, you know, it's not like I'm afraid of, like, what happened in the movie. But maybe I'll get, like, a little chill, like, if I have to, you know, go outside to, like, get something or, or take the garbage out. Like, maybe I'll be a little more apprehensive and be like, oh, should I look over my shoulder and make sure no one's there or something. You know, like, like it's not like the movie itself is making me scared of what's in the movie. But it might put me in a mood where maybe I'm feeling a little more, like, cautious or something as I'm, like, skulking around and... That's kind of like the best, you know, credit I, I can give, you know, something at this point. Um, but I don't even <laughs> remember why I got on this tangent, though. Uh, I just talking about uh, Exorcist being yeah. like, overhyped oh, almost oh. as like, you know, it's, it's going to scare you like no other movie does. Eh, not really. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I think the, the point actually, or I think what I was going to bring up is I'm, I'm curious if uh, people still say that about it. Uh, like, maybe older people like our age still say that about The Exorcist. But I'm curious if, like, <clears throat> you know, like, you're, like, a, I don't know, eight or nine-year-old getting into horror movies. Is this still one of the movies that, you know, people are like, oh, man, like... Well, know, I don't uh, think people our age say it. I think we heard it from people who are older than us. I think our yeah. parents' generation all say that about The Exorcist. So we heard it growing up. I don't and think... that was, like, a yeah. generation that was, like, more, you know, conservative and more religious and stuff and... So I'd probably track that, you know, that affected people a lot more than, you know, our age or whatever. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, it has this aura built up around <laughs> it, and I don't think uh, it, you know, otherwise it doesn't live up to it because it lives up to it as a good movie, but it doesn't live up to yeah. this idea of like, oh, I can't take it; it's too much to to bear. Right. Yeah. But the fear, <laughs> you know. So, anywho, and, then, and like you said, if you if you watch it and you're all like flustered. Uh, yeah, try putting in like Terrifier two or something like that after. <laughs> yeah, which obviously is a very different type of thing. That's that's more extreme in terms of gore and violence yeah. than it is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, tension. Uh, I don't think Terrifier two ever tries to be. <laughs> well, there's a little bit, but it doesn't try to be like fill you with dread. It's very different. It's a very different type of movie. Yeah, or if like if you just you know if you don't like cussing or something then. <laughs> Yeah, just put in, like, any Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> I, I just said Terrifier 2 earlier because I love the idea of, like, showing them just some of the scenes from that mm -hmm. and seeing how they react to it. If, uh, if well, it's funny enough, like, you know, there is kind of a connection, though, because, like, you know, there are stories when The Exorcist came out about people, like, having heart attacks in the theaters and, like, you know, what were the stories we were hearing about Terrifier 2? Yeah, too? people passing <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I get that at the time, having a little girl effectively saying some of the things she does is probably what... I would say that sounds more shocking than the actual scary stuff, like, for the time period. Like, in a movie, like, having a child say those things probably was the shocking yeah. thing to hear in the 70s. And not that it wouldn't, like, make us, like, pause when you hear it in a movie today, but it's not like a... Like, okay, like, it's always that type of movie. That, that's what your mind does. You're like, oh, this is a yeah. movie that does that. Okay. Uh, whereas back then I imagine that you, there wasn't many examples before this where there was movies with kids talking about you know sucking cocks and being whores in hell you know like yeah. I, I, I doubt it happened so uh, yeah but there you go that is uh, our, our all over the place thoughts on The Exorcist
so by all means, uh, give us your thoughts on the film uh, below. And uh, yeah, uh, support us over at Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. If you want to get bonus content and all the likes, uh, it is on pause whilst Tim's away, but there's a back catalogue of like almost 40 bonus episodes plus 12 even more streams episodes at the $5 tier if you want to go check out all those. Um, and that'll return when Tim's back uh, later in the year. So look forward to those. Um, you can, of course, also like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, share us out with your friends. All these things do help. If you can't give us some pennies, that's okay too. Uh, any and all help is appreciated. Uh, just as long as you enjoy the show and uh, keep watching horror movies. So uh, that is us. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, keep watching scary movies and we will see you next time.